Tzvach. This week we just celebrated the holiday of Shavuos last Shabbos, and um, this this Shabbos read the parsha of Naso, which means to be elevated. Naso means to be elevated, and the um, role of the tzaddik of each generation is to elevate his generation, to make them not just um, in the language of the Rebbe, not, not just that their feet should go faster and their hands should move quicker and they should do the right thing, but they should be elevated and uplifted. And that's actually one of the reasons that the Rebbe said we should st- share stories of tzaddikim, because sharing stories of tzaddikim, it lifts you up. There's actually a letter of the Rebbe to the previous Rebbe, in which the Rebbe writes um, that he heard the previous Rebbe, not that the previous Rebbe necessarily himself, but that there's expression Chabad, that Chabad is not into miracles. And the Rebbe wrote a letter to his father while asking what's the reason why Chabad is not into miracles. It would seem, the Rebbe says, that maybe in, 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 uh, in earlier times in history when people were pagan and they were worshipping all kinds of idols, and they believed in spirituality, so miracles don't, um, don't say much because they believe, in, they believe in the higher power anyways. But later in history, the Rebbe said, when people started to focus more on science, started to believe in the only things they could see with their, with their eyes. Um, so a miracle certainly uh, demonstrates something higher than, than what we're used to. And how much more so in our time, when people are so preoccupied with just things they could touch with their hands, they don't believe in anything higher. A miracle, the Rebbe said, witnessing a miracle can lift a person out of a deep pit and bring them to great heights. And therefore it's um and therefore it's it's really important to um to share stories of miracles. Let's share something happened today in the synagogue a few months ago. Um one lady um asked me if she, um she found it in a garage sale. A friend of hers, a non Jewish friend, um found this ketubah, marriage document, and she asked um her friend, um I saw this Jewish document. Um, I saw this Jewish document in this garage sale. So, um, so uh, maybe you know what it's for. It's 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 a wedding document. It's a good thing. Maybe you know how to uh, return it to its owners. It's interesting in uh, Jewish law. There's certain documents you're not supposed to return. Like if you find a a bill of divorce, you're not supposed to return it because maybe the husband initiated, but he stopped it. But a wedding document you're supposed to return. So, so she said, what should I do? She asked me, what should I do with the wedding document? So I told her, put it on Facebook, put it on social media, send it to me, and send the picture, and maybe you'll find the owner. So she does that. Crazy thing. The, um, the, uh, the, um, she calls up this, 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 this guy, and she tells him what she found. He can't believe it. He says, let me get my ex-wife on the phone. He gets his ex-wife on the phone, and basically, this couple was on the brink of divorce, but they were thinking about getting back together, and they're waiting for a sign. And this, uh, discovering this ketubah in this garage sale that reached back to them like, through so many di- series of, 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 of uh, divine providence, really was what they needed to like open their hearts to each other to begin the relationship again. So that actually um, set this in motion. They had to figure out, they were trying to figure out how the, the ketubah ended up in the garage sale and, the, and all, but you know, Hashem orchestrated everything just to bring this couple back together.
So that was story number one. A few more stories I want to share with you. Um, another story, Rabbi Biyamun Klein, Rabbi's secretary, was very, I, I had the privilege of, of meeting him many times and speaking to him. He was very, very quiet. He never shared um, too many things that happened uh, between him and the Rebbe. But uh, there is a uh, book of stories that um, where he shares personal stories that he happened with him. Incredible things. I'll share a few of them tonight. He said that um, he first entered the um, working in the Rebbe's secretariat. Uh, Rabbi Kharakov told him to see things that are private, I can't stop you because you're going to see things that are not private. But not everything you see has to be shared. So he was very careful not to share. And so what he did share is uh, something that we could, um, we could learn a lot from. So here are a few stories he shared. Number one, there was a businessman who uh, was really down in his luck. He lost all his money. And uh, he hadn't been to the Rebbe before. But friends of his suggested to him, why don't you go see the Rebbe and see if the Rebbe could advise you comes to the Rebbe for private audience. It was still in the times when the Rebbe was doing private audiences. And the Rebbe said to him, go speak to your uncle. Now, the Rebbe never met this guy before. He never met this uncle before. And he's thinking, like, why should I go to my uncle? Like, what is that? Who, my uncle is not particularly close with me. And not, he's not particularly affluent as far as he knew. And, but when he left the Rebbe's room, he told his friend what happened. His friend said, just, just go to your uncle. Just, just see what happens. He told his uncle what happened. His uncle said, I'm going to lend you what you need to get on your feet. And he, at that time, he needed $50,000, which was a lot of money at that time, for him especially. And that actually set him back on his feet. He was able to uh, begin his business again. Oh, because of that, he listened to the Rebbe's advice. Rabbi Klein said that he once hosted this um, OBGYN in his home. And this OBGYN tells Rabbi Klein that um, uh, the Rebbe must have a uh, medical board that he consults with because how else would he be able to answer all the questions that, um, that comes his way? <laughs> so my client said, I actually could tell you a story that happened this week and it's connected to you. He tells him like this. He said, last Friday, this woman called the Rebbe's office for the following reason. She was pregnant, she was about to give birth, and she was having a hard time delivering the baby. And the doctors, you, she asked you what to do, and you said that she should do an immediate cesarean. They should take, they should do, they should right away stop trying to um, have a natural birth and do immediate cesarean. So it was a few hours before Shabbos. So she called the Rebbe's office, and she asked the Rebbe's office, what should we do? And the Rebbe responded, Wait till after Shabbos. That's what the client told this doctor. The Rebbe told this to me. And after Baruch Hashem over Shabbos, the baby was born in a healthy way. The client said to this doctor, you know that when I went to the Rebbe's room on that Friday morning, I could tell you there was no medical board. He just said immediately what to do. And you could see with your patient, you know that she had a healthy baby. So the doctor said, so how does it work? And Rabbi Klein said, because he is a, he's a Rebbe. There was a certain um, Rosh Hashiva, he was head of Yeshiva, and he came to, on a fundraising trip to America to raise some funds for his Yeshiva. He was very unsuccessful. He went to many cities, 
but he didn't really know what, he, what to do. He didn't really know how to do what he, what he was doing. So he had to raise money for his yeshiva, but it wasn't working. So one of his friends, a Chabad Chassid, said to him, you should consult with the Rebbe. Before going back to Israel, you spend all this time. Well, just ask the Rebbe what you should do. Just consult with the Rebbe. So, okay, why not? He goes to the Rebbe's room, and the Rebbe says to him, go to Toronto. He'd already been to Toronto, and he hadn't had any success. He's like wondering, why should he go to Toronto? What's the point of going to Toronto? And he met his Chabad friend after he'd been to the Rebbe, and he tells him, the Rebbe said I should go to Toronto. I didn't even have the money for a ticket to go to Toronto, let alone to think of, of being successful in fundraising in Toronto. I, I, I didn't even have a ticket. So this Chabad man says, I'll pay, I'll, I will pay for the, the change in your flight itinerary, but listen, if I give you this advice, you should take the advice. Okay? He goes to Toronto. On the plane, he's sitting next to a man, and they start talking. He tells the man why he's there, why he's going to Toronto. And the man says, you know what? I work in an insurance company, and the um, owner of the company is a Jew. He's not really into charity, but I'll, I'll speak to him, and maybe, maybe he'll be interested in helping you. All right. And they make it, he sets up an, a, 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 a interview with um, a meeting with this, um, uh, with this, with this insurance company owner. And uh, they start talking. And he says, so how much do you need? What's the shortfall of your, um, of your yeshiva? He said, $22,000. He said, okay. He writes down immediately a check of $22,000, exactly what the shortfall is. And the head of the yeshiva was like, we only spoke for five minutes. Like, you can't tell me. And this five-minute conversation, you suddenly have a, a reason to give me $22,000. So this businessman said the following. He says, I'll tell you what happened. Last night I had a dream of my father. My father comes to me in a dream and he says, if you want to do something special for me, give charity. So I promised my father in the dream that I would do this. And today he came to me, you came to me, you spoke to me about giving charity. And you said you're missing $22,000. Today is the 22nd yard site of my father. It's been 22 years since my father passed away. So I really, I immediately realized the connection between these two things. And that's why I'm giving you this check. That's story number four. Okay, here's story number five. Our feature story for tonight. I love this story, not because it's so miraculous, but because the author really puts her heart into saying the story, her personal life story. And you could see the chen, you could see the, the, the charm of a Chabad Chassid and the, and the, and the uplifting um, experience of being connected to the Rebbe. So here's the story. This story is printed in the uh, recent uh, Kfar Chabad. And she says like this. She said, I was a good girl when I was little. I studied in the Beit Yaakov, Yeshiva and Akko. I was very religious, kept all the mitzvot. But I merited that the Rebbe reached out to me and connected me to him. She said that on a regular day in this school in Akko, a substitute teacher came to the class. Her name was Rachel Schwartz. Later she became Rachel Kupchik. She married one of the Kupchiks. And she started telling the class about the Rebbe. And she told the class about the talk of the Rebbe. And she, she doesn't know why this um, Malka uh, Malka. Uh, Kubitschek, the author of the the story, or biography, doesn't know why, but somehow what this Rachel Schwartz said just enveloped her and and gave light to her heart, 
and she considers that day a parshas vayetzev. When this substitute teacher came to the class to share with the class about the Rebbe and this talk of the Rebbe and how it touched her, she considers that her Hasidic birthday. So Rachel told the class, you know, you should all go to the Chabad Center and learn Hasidus. At that time, Rabbi Orchman opened up a, a Chabad Center and she was really touched by this substitute teacher and she came and she brought her friends to this um, this Chabad center, and she felt that she found her soul, her good fortune, the light of my life. One night, Rabbi Urchman suggested that we go to Haifa to participate in the Fabrengun through Reuven Dunin, the noted Chassid, and she said it was such so enlightening, we swallowed every word that he said. And Rabbi Urchman suggested to her, to this girl, that she opened up a army of Hashem club. The Rebbe began the largest Jewish children's organization in the world, the army of Hashem. And Rabbi Urchman said, as part of his activities in the city, he suggested to her, why don't you open up a, a club, an army of Hashem club uh, in Akko? So she agreed to do this. And uh, she got a letter from the Rebbe. She was a little girl. She got a letter from the Rebbe. And the Rebbe says, the letter is, to the women and girls of Chabad and Akko. She asked the rabbi, who are the women? There's no, there's no one at all of Chabad and Akko. Who is this letter to? So rabbi Urchman says, the rabbi sees the future. This rabbi sees what's going to be. Anyways, um, when, when she was so close to, the, to rabbi Urchman that when rabbi Urchman went out of town to fundraise or whatever, she was the one who opened the Chabad house every day. She was the one who would sell the tefillin and the mezuzot. She was really like, so, like, smitten by her work in Chabad, and as a present, Rabbi Urchman gave her her first chitas, Chumash Tilmantanya, and a set of the Alter Rebbe's Court of Jewish Law. And every uh, Friday, she would go to visit a um, hospital with other girls in Naharia to encourage everyone to light Shabbos. Can I make it a little bit lower? And uh, there was no Chabad center yet in Naharia, and uh, her parents were very supportive and uh, they bought her a ticket to visit the Rebbe. So she came to the Rebbe the first time in Tishrei 1983. The Rebbe had an um, audience for, for the visitors, the guests, and happened to be on her birthday, the 25th day of Tishrei, when she visited the Rebbe and it was very, very special to her. Anyways, at that time, she, um, when she was in 11th grade, she had the following issue. The issue was that the school made a new policy. Today in Beis Yaakov, it's very common in most Beis Yaakovs in the world that there is um, no television allowed in, in, in any, for any student in their home. If you, if you have a television, you're not welcome in the class. But um, she, um, she didn't know what to do because her parents had a television. They came out with this new policy, no television, um, allowed for any of our students in their homes. If you have a television, you're not welcome in our school. So she's a very honest person. I'm sure the school wouldn't even know that they had a television in their home. They had this little black and white television, you know, in, the, in, in, in those years, in the 80s. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't anything to, to, to speak of, but, but she was an honest and, and wholehearted person. She felt like she asked, what should she do? And that time, Rabbi Shomo Frank, 
was encouraging her, she should go to Chabad Yeshiva, she should switch schools, one from the, the Chabad, to go from the Beis Yaakov High School to the Chabad High School. But really, this was really a good place for her at the time. She actually felt, you know, in the Beis Yaakov that she is doing a mission for the Rebbe and what she was doing, encouraging her friends to spread the Torah and, and going to um, light Shabbos candles. Um, so, um, she um, didn't know what to do. So she, so she wrote a letter to the Rebbe. And the Rebbe answered the following. Stop the television and stay where you are right now. Stop the television. What does that sound like, stop the television? I mean, she's, it's not her house, right? It's her, her parents' television. So she accepted the responsibility to get rid of the television in her home. So she, she went and she, um, she cut the wires. Um, of the, uh, of the television somehow and, and, uh, and the television no longer worked. And so her father came to the next look in the television and like, oh, I guess that doesn't work. So that was it. The father never replaced television. He never asked about it. Just the television. There was a stop television and stay there. And so she stopped the television, made it not work anymore. And she was able to stay, um, where she was in Beis Yaakov and, uh, she saw how the Rebbe's words were realized in the most amazing, amazing way. The television stopped and she's able to stay in the uh, Beis Yaakov. So um, she uh, ended up uh, getting married, Baruch Hashem, to her husband, Rabbi um, Yossi Shechter, and they opened up a Chabad center in, um, in Australia. Before they went to Australia, the Rebbe had the day that they were leaving, on the third day of Tishrei, um, never had an audience for uh, philanthropists who were donating to the Chabad um, Development Fund, Machshul Development Fund. Rabbi Groner said, you're going to Australia today, you should go to the Rebbe and see the Rebbe before you, before you leave. So her husband and her went in front of the Rebbe. Rabbi Groner says, these are the new shluchim going down to Australia. The Rebbe looked at, the, looked at them and said, Fort Gesundheit Heit should travel with um, with good health, and uh, and the Rebbe gave her, go with good health, you'll have great success. And the Rebbe gave them two Australian dollars in his, um, and they were very excited, and they, Baruch uh, Hashem, traveled to Melbourne, and very quickly they were, they started activities, and for Hanukkah, for Purim, for Shashan, for everything. And uh, they asked for a bracha for children. And the Rebbe responded, I got your report. And days of Hanukkah that are give light with blessing and success and good news and success in all the above, in all the in all matters. Um, in, in Sivan, in 1987, she traveled to Israel to participate in the wedding of her sister. And on the way to Israel, she stopped off in New York and she wasn't sure what she should do vis-a-vis -vis celebrating Shavuos because the Rebbe said that Shavuos is supposed to be, um, each person is supposed to count um, 49 days personally for to celebrate the 50th day, which is Shavuos. And since she has crossed the date line, so therefore, she has one day less. So should she count Shavuos, should she celebrate Shavuos a day earlier or a day later? How does it work? 
Shabbat told her to consult a rabbi who paskans halacha, a rabbi who was actually a posik. She asked Rabbi Marlowe to do it. Rabbi Marlo said you should celebrate Shavuos one day earlier because you're coming from Australia and you didn't and you passed the dateline. So because um, because you have an extra day, you you celebrate Shavuos a day earlier. So um, on the night of her Shavuos, which was the day before everyone else's Shavuos, she stood outside 770 and never noticed her and never waved to her like a good yontif wave. And she said how special it was that the Rebbe like remembered her and, and her, her situation and like she's like alone, you know. It's, she's celebrating a holiday different than everybody else. Never noticed her and gave her a blessing for her for her personal um, shuas. Um, today, Baruch Hashem, uh, after the Australian uh, market crash, they had a difficult time staying in Australia, and they asked uh, the Rebbe to do. The Rebbe said to ask Rabbi Groner, and. Uh, to ask a post-sick in Australia, to ask a Begorner. Begorner said that they should um, go back to Israel. And today, Baruch Hashem, they are very active in Kiryat Shmuel, together with their children, as Rebbe's blessing, and uh, in, in spreading Torah and Yiddishkeit in Israel. So, I'm just sharing the um, different details in our life, not so much the details, but just like this, this, this the general feeling that she conveys in this article I wanted to, to give Read, read the original to get the real feeling, but that just just the the nisias reish, the connection of the rabbi gives you this elevation, gives you this, this it lifts you up. And uh, as we're entering now the week of Bahaloscha, I'll just conclude with one one personal thing. Um, right before Shabbos, I uh, wrote a letter to the rabbi. I opened up his letters. I said an answer to your letter from Friday, the Friday before Pashas Naso. It, the answer for your letter comes from the beginning of Parshat Baloscha, when the Torah says to light the candles until the candles shine on their own. So the great blessing that things should be that way, that your neshama should shine, and you should ele- be elevated physically and spiritually. So Hashem should help us all that our candles should shine on their own, and we should celebrate Nishalayim tonight, the third base of Migdash, and see Aaron Akain light the Menorah, and uh, shine. Chaim Chaim Racha. A good day, a good day, a good day.